You're listening to Views from the Peak, a podcast hosted and published by The Peak Church, located here in Apex, North Carolina. Here in season two of this podcast, we're sitting down with members of our own church, members who have gone through something really, really challenging to their faith. Something that, to be honest, made them contemplate quitting on God all together. And so just to offer a disclaimer or a trigger warning here at the beginning of this episode, you might during this season hear instances of cancer and death and grief. You might hear of things like abuse or addiction, things that are especially hard to manage while also trying to follow Jesus faithfully. In these episodes, you're going to hear the raw honesty of what it was like to go through those experiences so that you, the listener, can feel a lot less alone when you find yourself in a similar predicament. On today's episode, we sit down with church member Brooke Cradle. Brooke has been a longtime member of our church, and here she's gonna share her experience of what it was like to wrestle through questions around her gender and sexual identity. Questions that, let's be honest, have not been very well received by the church over the course of the last several years. Our hope for this episode today is that it challenges you, that it enlightens you, and that it gives all of us some insight as to what it's like for folks who are trying desperately to not only live a life faithful to God, but to themselves. Please enjoy. All right, friends, well, welcome back to another episode of Views from the Peak. This season of Views from the Peak, we've been sitting down with members of our church, uh, the Peak Church, located here in Apex, North Carolina, who have gone through what we've been calling the valleys of faith. Now, we, we get this term from scripture. Psalm 23 talks about the valley of the shadow of death. These are really, very plainly, very generally, experiences that each of us have gone through in our faith that cause us to question cause us to doubt, cause us to wonder if God is even there. And so every single month we've been sitting down with members of our own church who have had unique valleys, very specific, very peculiar valleys uh, that they've gone through in their faith. And today I'm excited to sit down with another member of our church who has another uh, story and experience to share. And so please join me everyone in welcoming to the Peak Podcast, Brooke Cradle. Brooke, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Kyle. Brooke, uh, you and I have known each other for a number of years. Uh, you and your family, I don't know when you first arrived here. Do you know? I, I, I want to say it was probably actually back sometime around 2013, 2014. I okay. Think sounds about right. Okay. So that's shortly after I started here. So our, our timelines have, have overlapped. Uh, so I've known, I've known you and your family for, for quite a while. And so... Part of this, this whole podcast is we're exploring faith journeys. We're exploring, uh, not necessarily in this uh, season, are we uh, sort of exploring the peaks of faith, but some of the valleys of faith. So, But before we get into your particular story and the particular experience you're going to share with us, I wondered if you might give us maybe a little bit of a... A little bit of a spiritual biography, if you will. Like, tell us a little bit about. So you've you've been a part of this church for a number of years, but 
take us back even further. So the listener has a little bit of understanding of, you know, what is your relationship with church, with religion, with faith? When did it start? Has it always been there? Et cetera, et cetera. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, yeah, my family has always been like been active in one church or another was was grew up and and and, and baptized originally in a in a, in a in a Baptist church. Um, also, also in the area, and that's okay. So... We'll forgive you. We'll forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and, and so so faith and God have always like have all have always been a part of my life, um, and that's always and I guess it, it the the idea of of community and of unconditional love has always been something that I've really appreciated about about Christianity. Although, admittedly, when I was younger, it seemed like it was a bit more in theory than in practice of like, I understood like, like, Oh, God's always watching and all that. It's like, okay, well, that's great. But there were some, there were definitely sometimes where I was like, okay, now that he's watching, could he maybe actually come in and, <laughs> and intervene sometimes and be, be being, being younger. So maybe he, maybe he wasn't, I just wasn't understanding, but it's probably but, what your parents, it's just a tactic your parents were using to get you to start behaving. Cause now <laughs> that I'm a parent and that's what we, God's watching Jesus. He's watching. Just kidding. That's okay. So, so always been a part of your story. Like you can't remember a time when it was like, oh yeah, like we, we kind of came, we started going to church for the very first time when I was 11. Like, no, it's like always been a part of your story, always been a part of your family upbringing. Yeah. So what about you individually? So you shared a little bit about like, so early on it was probably more just family went to church. And so church was this thing we went to. God Mm -hmm. was this theory, this theoretical sort of cognitive intellectual sort of thing I think about sometimes but like how did that was that always the case when did that shift and that change talk, talk to me a little bit about like your personal faith um I mean yeah I, I mean I was felt like remaining a like remaining a Christian has and like like doing my best to be a good Christian has definitely been something that's been important to me I guess for the the reasons for it have changed over the course of my life going from a sort of general parental and community expectations to hope that like this like by doing this I'm like it, it might help me out in, in aspects of, of my life or just but in, in, in general in general going starting out with the expectation this this is just what I should be doing and this is what I'm supposed to be doing to I think fortunately now I'm in more of a place where like this is where being Christian is something that I want to do is something that I just I, that, I mean, that there is inherent fulfillment in fortunately and I've Sort was of. there a, was there a time that that shift happened where it was like, I'm moving from shoulding to like wanting? Do you can you, is there like a moment or like a mm-hmm. season? Um, um, around the time that that I sort of came to accept my gender identity and accepting who I am is sort of when I was able to also, like, accept other parts of me as well and really begin to, just experience life and really. On, like really just want to do things for this for the sake for for my own sake rather than doing things because I feel like I should so we're gonna get into the details uh, in a moment but what I heard you say just then was that these things were almost like one unlocked the other mm-hmm. almost yeah. or freed the other or yeah. liberated the other that the moment when um you were able to accept and fully embrace and live into uh, the truest part of who you were. Something happened spiritually that was not happening before, almost like a dam broke, if you will. Yeah, I mean, and and 
I think in spiritually, yes. I think just in all manner of aspects of my life. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So uh, that's a good, that's a great segue because the particular valley that we are exploring here today with Brooke is the valley that many persons, uh, but actually a, probably a lot more persons uh, outside the church, so many persons inside the church, but probably a lot more persons outside the church uh, go through, which is uh, questions and struggles and wonderings around one's gender identity. And again, I say that, I, I say what I said, unfortunately, I use the word unfortunately because Every single listener who is tuning into this knows that the church has a long-held and a very rich history of struggling to be fully inclusive and embracing and loving and caring of persons of the LGBTQ community. And so one of the the goals of this conversation was to uh, really get an inside glimpse into, again, part of what you've already alluded to, which was like the liberation, the freedom, and things that occurred uh, in and through those wrestling with your own gender identity. And so take us, take us into that and start wherever, start wherever. So like where, where would you say um, your experience of wondering, struggling with rest and then accepting your gender identity, where would you say that story starts? And again, it's kind of like, it's kind of a hard question to answer, but I guess like, where would you, like, where is a helpful place for us to start and get sort of like an inside glimpse into? Right. Um, so there is sort of, there are, there are, as you sort of alluded to, there are multiple answers to that, to that question. Um, I mean, if we wanted to start with first things that could be considered signs that I'm, that I might be trans, even going back to when I was in middle school and being disappointed with the changes that, that, that my body was going through, but not being able to quite put a finger on why. Um, like when my choir teacher was like, well, you, so, so all, all the boys, your, your voice is, your voice is going to, is going to drop at some point. And, and I just like felt, felt incredibly disappointed about that, but couldn't quite under, couldn't quite grasp why that was something that I could, that I did not want to embrace and was not looking forward to. Um, but you so, can remember that, like you can vividly yes. remember that conversation and your teacher telling you that and being like, oh, holy cow, like that, that actually doesn't align. With well, your... so it was, it was, there, there are a lot of moments like that, that were just subtle misalignments with what I wanted for myself and what I wanted for my future. But I just sort of push out, push it to my, to the back of my mind because, well, everyone else is everyone else who is also who who like so I, I, to, 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 clar- to clarify for the listeners I was I was I now identify as a woman was um, previously addressed as as bo- as a boy and like so as so as part of that um, that that's that disconnect between what other boys were expecting to go through and looking forward to going through and what I was really not looking forward forward to going through but denial is is a heck of a thing and for the longest time I was just sort of push it away as okay well this is just something that's going to happen so you might as well just accept it and deal with it and move on Mm. Mm. well and it's it's denials a really powerful thing 
and the desire to fit in is also like especially when you think about so what grade was that do you remember what grade it was uh that was probably around sixth grade i've had to guess yeah like it's right in the beginning of and any parent of a tween or a teenager understands this or maybe a teenager is listening to this like that is just those are those are hellish years like for (laughs) everyone because you're all trying to conform and fit in i cannot imagine the added layer, the added uh, identity sort of marker or struggle um, as it relates to gender. Because that's, I mean, again, like it's, there's like a, there's a societal sort of pressure, but what you're describing feels like, it feels monumental. It feels like it's just a, it's such a, it's so much deeper, so much more invasive than just like, you know, dress this way to fit in or listen to this kind of music. This is, I mean, we're talking about your identity. Right. As a human being. Right. And this just sort of pervasive, ongoing sensation that something is wrong. And I do not know what that thing is. I do not know how to address that. But I, all I know is that something feels wrong. Like, I, 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 on the one, on the, it's, it's, it's funny to say now because on the one hand, it's like, yes, these things are very obvious in retrospect. But... Um, at the time, it was just like having thoughts about like wishing that I could wear certain clothes or wishing that I could be addressed a certain way, but just pushing it off as like, oh no, that's 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 not for me because I am this person. I am, and and everyone has addressed me as this person, so this is who I need to be. This is who I need to try to be. So, I'm always like a, I'm like a linear person. I'm a timeline person. So like I'm a, I'm trying to like visually conceive of this. So this is so six in timeline. So sixth grades when you're like oh, what that teacher just said is really upsetting to me, and I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. It, was there a particular, like, so if that was sixth grade, was there, was that, was shortly thereafter you started having some of those, like, man, I really actually feel, would feel way more comfortable presenting myself in this way, dressing in this way, being this person, being addressed in this way? Was there, like, did any of that ever... When did that sort of, I guess, come into conscious of like, oh, now I know why that that comment by that teacher was so upsetting to me. Like, now I know why. Like, I've got clarity on that. Well, the the now I know why, we would have to jump ahead to to 24-year-old me to really, to, okay. to, to, actually, okay. to actually get to that. Okay, so don't do that, that yet then. Let's, okay. let's, let's slowly <laughs> ease into it. Okay, okay. So... Tell me about, so you're, you're, you're having these experiences, you're having these questions, um, and you're having some of these thoughts, uh, you know, probably before, again, like you mentioned earlier, it's probably not a nice, neat, linear timeline of it happened at this, at sixth grade at, you know, music class, and that was it, but it's been happening, and it then happened more since. So part of what I want to do, part of what I want to do with this conversation is I want to uh, kind of, uh, I want to th- I want to sort of weave a weave a tapestry, if you will, in between sort of like the and, and again, these are not two compartments of your life. In many ways, they are enmeshed, uh, just like all of our lives are. Are as as much as we like to compartmentalize our lives, like oh, this is my job life, this is my parenting life, this is my marriage life, this is my faith life. Like it's actually everyone. We all know that that's not actually the way we live. Mm-hmm. But for the purpose of this conversation, 
take us into the room. So now take us back into the room of like your faith life. Sure. So during during this season, what is your faith life like? What is your relationship with God like? Is it uh, alive and active? Is it like dormant and I don't know? Is it like, what was that like? Right. Um, so, I mean, I was definitely doing my best to stay active in whatever church I happened to be in, whether that be um, the church we were in at high school, when I, when I was in high school, um, which was at least fortunately open and accepting of um, non, like, or of like different sexualities, but the idea of gender didn't really come up, and so I still didn't quite have the language yet to to have any context to my experiences and so I still still kept kept with the, with the denial and 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 then getting into college um the only I, I felt like I needed to be a part of a church community the only church communities that were really available on campus were the super ultra conservative ones that had this very this very particular view of God and our relationship to God and so did you even try them out or you're like i'm not even gonna go close oh no oh no oh, i i i tried them and i joined them and that was part of what led what and ultimately that the lesson that 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 i unfortunately was taught from those churches was if you if you were having thoughts or emotions that are going against god as i sort of thought that my feelings and desires were then the correct way to respond to that is to pray that God would make you feel disgusted by the by these thoughts and 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 give and fill you with the need to turn away from them, and so that's what I did, um, and I certainly succeeded in making myself feel disgusted with 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 who with who I was, um, but. Um, Yes, and and I, I I do I do not think that was God's will to, for so, but that is unfortunately what I was taught at the time, and so that led to another six ish years of really painful denial, and not and not and so, and so now I am compounding the disconnect between who I want to be and who I think I'm supposed to be. Now I'm compounding on top of that the expectation that I should feel disgusted for these thoughts and emotions. So this, so, but you, so before college, before college, you said you were in a church, this was, it was not the peak, but you were at another church that mm-hmm. was inclusive of persons of, that are not, not necessarily heteronormative. Mm-hmm. So you were presented with a. I'll just put, just put it simply. You were presented with a picture of God, that looked like this at this church, mm-hmm. and then you go to these campus ministries and different sort of brands of Christianity, if you will, that paint a very different picture of God. Mm-hmm. So I guess like my question is during those six years, like which one was winning, or like which one, <laughs> like which one. Which one was living? Which one was living more in your psyche when you were thinking about your spiritual life? Like, who were you imagining God to be most of the time, or was it right. like, good God, I don't know, big hot mess, big soupy mess? I, I mean, definitely, definitely, definitely a lot of big hot mess going going on, <laughs> pretty, pretty much ongoing and constantly. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess just overall, just this pervasive feeling that whoever God was, I was not living up to his expectations. I was not living up to his standards. Um, and that I just needed to work harder. And, and that was, and with, with, with like, as, as, as I did with like other aspects of my life, just like trying to throw myself into working at working as hard as I can at everything to try to distract myself from, 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 from what was going on. So you, you gave a timeline of six years of roundabout, roundabout, whatever. I mean, we don't know the, it's, it's fine if we're not, you know, probably, probably said, well, I mean, I, I, I could tell you the, the exact month yeah. when, when, when thing, when things changed, but. So what, know. yeah, the, the way I was going to pose it was what broke, what broke? And maybe that's not the right way to come at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like oftentimes when I sit down and talk to people who they share about uh, a particular coping strategy they're using for a very long time to fit in, to disguise something, to hide from something, to run from something. At some point, like it works until it don't work. And then it just sort of like the wheels fall off mm-hmm. and it doesn't work anymore. And so I guess like my question is what was that moment for you uh, or was it a series of moments or a series of stories or a series of uh, interactions or exchanges or was it a particular conversation with someone? What, when did it sort of give way to something new? Right. Um, so it was actually pretty much just one, one distinct moment followed by a period of questioning. But so the, the sort of final, final piece in the Jenga tower that was holding up that was holding up my the denial of my gender was my assumption that you get one letter in the LGBTQ alphabet you can only be one thing all straight and the assumption that all trans people are straight and so then I happened upon a Facebook post by an acquaintance who had come out a few months earlier and she was just mentioning some some slang associated with with trans folks and one of them was uh, transbian, that is someone who is a trans lesbian. I just sort of saw that and I would thought, oh, huh. <laughs> and then, and then like that, that, that one concept just so clearly aligned with everything that I had been experiencing up until that point, that it was really just impossible to continue denying, to continue denying that I was, that I was trans. Is it, um, and at any point, I mean, you can, I guess, like, was the, so, was the, one of the obstacles, so we, we named one of the obstacles already. One of the obstacles already is the monster one, which is, you know, well, maybe there's a couple. There's, there's this monster obstacle of religious guilt that you've gotten a big heavy dose of, intermixing with some societal guilt and such. Mm-hmm. There's this sort of overwhelming, like, desire to fit in and not, mm-hmm. you know, those sorts of things. Um, 
was another obstacle this sort of like so am i hearing you correctly when you say that your original understanding of the acronym lgbtqia is was also in and of itself very static not very fluid being that like okay well lesbian means something very 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 specific or transgender means something very 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 specific and so was there also a hesitancy like well i'm not i'm not transgender because i'm not this very specific version or definition that i always just believed what it meant was that is that what you is that what is that what i'm hearing you say um certainly a little bit of that i mean the o- the only real narrative that i had heard up until this point to describe someone being transgender is the idea of a quote-unquote man trapped in a woman's body or a woman trapped in a man's body which Mm -hmm. first of all even to this day i do not understand what that is supposed to feel like or mean um (laughs) it's a very interesting image yeah (laughs) and second second of all just didn't apply to my experience like i am a woman in in a body like that is Mm. and so like the idea of like the idea of like so yeah, just that phrase did not resonate with me, and so that mm. sort of contributed to the denial, certainly. Well, and I, it's this is not my has not been my experience, but I I guess I can only sympathize or uh, at least understand why that moment would be so crystallizing for you and so awakening for you in that. It's, it was sort of, it sounds like when you explain it, it seems like it's one of those moments of like, holy cow, I'm not the only one. Holy yeah. cow, I'm not alone. Like, yeah. I'm, I, this, this is not like, and then furthermore, furthermore, there is nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with, and I think like that's, yeah and that's the power, right? Like that's the power of community. Like that's whatever community you are talking about, faith community or an LGBTQ community or whatever, like. What's so beautiful and so powerful about those communities, about community, is it is this just like really beautiful, wonderful reminder that I'm not alone. I'm yeah. not alone. Like that's what people say all the time when they come into church. They're like, on our best day, I say something in a sermon, we sing something in a song that's like, holy cow, I have thought that, felt that, experienced that before. I'm not alone. That's amazing. So you're saying, I, I, not not to put words in your mouth, but is that... Was that kind of what happened when you read this post? Like, that's why this thing was, this moment, this this thing that this, your colleague shared was so, it resonated with you so much. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, but it was, it was on the one hand, a, it was on the one hand a bit, a bit startling to like, as I was actually starting to research what it meant to be transgender and seeing more and more of those experiences lining up with, with what I was feeling on the one hand. It was, it was a bit startling, like it was startling and contributing to this whole mental maelstrom to to, to use, to use an SAT word and (laughs) in my, in my, in my my head of just everything that I thought I knew about myself was not quite right. Um, But on the other hand, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely reassuring to like, okay, hey you're not the only person who's had, who's had these thoughts, had these feelings. And yeah, just the feeling that understanding that like I was, that I'm, I'm not alone. Um, I'm going to look up Maelstrom after this uh, <laughs> podcast episode so that I make sure I understand what it means. Um, so that, but that leads me to my next question. That leads me to my next question. So 
your your gender identity has been something that you have very successfully it sounds like kept hidden from anyone and everyone mm-hmm. including myself including yourself <laughs> right yeah yeah like yeah so this was how how old were you when you like read this post i was 24 years old 24 so who did you who could you talk to who did you talk to like who are can you remember some of the first people you don't have to name names if you don't want to but i guess like who were some of those people friends communities persons that you went to first to sort of like and i I can't imagine how terrifying that first one was I i don't know if it gets easier the second or the third time or what have you but like i can't imagine how it may, may be terrifying slash free. I, I'm sure it's like just a wave of all kinds of stuff. But like what, who could you, who did you talk to first? How did you start broaching this conversation? Because you're probably at the, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Maybe you're at the one hand trying to do it for the sake of embracing and accepting yourself. But you're also trying to gain some more solidarity and community and, and just sort of knowledge of like, like you were just saying, like as you're reading, you're learning more of what it means. So what were those who were those early persons or, you know, communities or people groups that you were connected with, talking to, processing with? Right. Um, well, for the first month or so, I was still a bit too uncertain and scared of being judged or being or just being wrong. And so just for the for the first like month and, and, and change, I just didn't talk to anybody about it. Um, but after, but, um, I did, I did, um, manage to to speak with a therapist about it. Um, I had been speaking to him previously and, and, um, before, before this moment of realization, he asked a question that, that was very, that was very, it was like very clearly if, if I had just like, he, he, it, it, I, I could have realized earlier, I guess it was, is, is, is he was leaving the door open to that conversation I wasn't quite ready to go through that door and then I had this moment of, of like realization can't possibly keep denying this and then after that was able to come back to him go back to see him a month a month later and kind of continue that conversation which was incredibly helpful um and then from there um I was able to um open up to some to some close friends, the the I think you, you um the the first the first person coming out to the first person that like I I know and am close to um was absolutely terrifying, and it, it took it took me it, it was I'm so glad that a moment came up and that and that I was able to work, work up the courage to to tell her about it and that also that she and that she she responded really she responded really well and she and she just responded with acceptance and and just and and just embracing it and even just like that same night like so up until that point I was they they were they, um she and her fiance at the time were planning a wedding and they were two of my closest friends and I was going to be in the bridal party and that same night she asked would you prefer to be a bridesmaid instead of instead of a groomsman that was just in, incredibly sweet and just a moment of just in, in really incredible acceptance
from there, um, I had to I had to wait to come out to my family for some time, um, which was which 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 was definitely tough to like keep that keep that a secret to be staying in the closet and only occasionally being actual actually able to express my gender the way I wanted to around friends. Um, but eventually was able to come out to my, to my family as well. Um, was this more of like, like the delaying of that was that, and again, I, I feel like it is, it is each person has to go at their own pace with just about, I mean, just about everything in life, you got to go at your own pace, but especially something like this, you, it, it sounds like very early on you were like, I'm going to go at the pace that feels comfortable to me at the pace that so was it a was it a pace thing when it comes to your family was it like a okay i'm 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 you know the this this ball is like rolling it's like it's now it's got it's reached the peak and now it's like going down but so it's like picking up momentum it's gonna pick up momentum but i want to slow it down if i can a little bit just to sort of manage it a little bit was Um, it that or like what was sort of driving some of that so basically the the issue there was that i was set to be a groomsman at my brother's wedding and so this is a different wedding this this, this, this yeah, is a different this is, this is a different this wedding is, yeah. this yeah. this 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 had been planned for this had been planned for some time and was and was coming up yeah and i didn't want to try to be the center of attention or disrupt things or for anyone to resent like using using me coming out as a point of resentment so i felt like it was I was still still kind of in that obligation and mentality of this is the person that I'm expected to be for the sake of my family, for the sake of people that people that 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 that, that I know. So main so continued to maintain that around around my family for up up until up until the wedding, even even as I was coming out to friends and finding resources and support groups on 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 and uh, on campus at nc state okay uh, so yeah. these are happening like in concert like you are you're holding off on the family realm but you are coming out to some close friends some trusted friends and seeking resources and community and support yeah like those are happening sort of in concert yeah and then post-wedding is when you made that you invited your family into that conversation yeah okay okay and generally, I mean, they, I think like every listener who, every listener who is, uh, had even the, even a direct or indirect experience to this is always sort of sitting by with bated breath because sometimes we've heard, I mean, all of us have heard numerous stories of that going beautiful and well and loving and accepting. We've also heard stories where it's not the case. Yours was more of the former and not to say like any parents are perfect and they like immediately right away like had all of the right you know language and vernacular but generally how was that experience mm-hmm. i think like like over, over overall my family was definitely accepting and supportive um sort of took a while to kind of ex- took took a while to kind of explain what was going on into there, there was. I mean, they, they, they had known, they had known me as a different person for quite, for quite a while. So there was definitely a lot. There was, there was, there was, there was, there was some, there was some friction around, around that transition. But, but, no, but having, having been through that, I definitely am so thankful for all of the, 
just love and support that that I've gotten from everyone in my family for just in, a lot like embracing who I embracing who I am now allowing me to do to do the same and we'll sh- at the very end of this episode I'll ask you a, a question of like what you would say to listeners for whom this is not their direct experience but they're trying they're trying to love and care for someone uh, who is transitioning or questioning um, and the, I'm going to ask you a question at the end of like what what things would you say to them what advice or what counsel would you offer to them because uh, you're you're right to point out it's it's almost like it's an interesting sort of it's an interesting part of the conversation because in some ways those journeys are happening together but also in many many other ways those journeys are happening entirely separately you're having and and, and in a really healthy way actually in a really really healthy way Uh, i i can only imagine that any parent who has sat through that conversation, they now have to deconstruct and they have to work through. And I might even dare to use the word like grieve, maybe like some aspects of like, Oh man, like I, I, I used to think this way, or I used to relate this way. And, I, and I'm sure guilt is a part of it too. It's like, Oh my gosh, how did I not see this? How did I not reconcile? So like you're at that moment in time, your parents, and you, your family and you are probably, you're traveling somewhat, like you might do some touch points on the journey, but for their health and for your health and safety as a person, like you got to kind of do it somewhat separately. Like you're going yeah. through your own process and it's important that they do their own so that you can have a future together where it's like, okay, now we're at a place where we now know the we know this dynamic and actually and also the new not new rules but like new new ways for engaging this uh, relationship that are the most true the most honest the most uh, respectful and just the most harmonious for a, a great sort of family relationship moving forward sort of thing so we'll talk about that uh, towards the towards the end so i'm going to ask a really really big question and then you get to sort of like take it whichever direction you want sure but you are so how so well let me back up actually for a quick second so is there a moment in time so you've you've been doing this it was a process it was a process like Mm -hmm. just like with everything in life kind of like you you've got you've you've got these moments of like reading facebook posts and having these conversations with your therapist and then conversations with friends then you're having a conversation was the conversation with your family the last domino to fall or the last, uh, I don't know, the last, so you used back to, I, I, I love Jenga, so uh, we'll go back to that <laughs> analogy earlier. Was that the last, was that the last piece to pull of like this, like there's this real life, this true life you really want to embrace and live into fully and there's this other life that you've been, you know, holding up for the sake of others and for the sake of your own safety and well-being and like again going mm-hmm. at a pace that is comfortable to you was that the last i guess was your conversation with your parents the last one and then it fell and it was like now you didn't have to live two lives anymore unfortunately no okay. um so there was one remaining sort of hang up to fully transitioning and that was so i had accepted and I had accepted an, an, a summer internship, and so I had, I had accepted the under, that summer internship under my old name. I had secu- I had gotten housing 
while I was there under under my old name. And so I I it's 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 it is quite emblematic of my of my situation at the time. So I went there with two suitcases. I went there with one suitcase full of old me clothes and I went there with one suitcase full of new me clothes. Yeah. And it's like, all right, <laughs> which one am I gonna be able to be? And unfortunately mm-hmm. how it panned out was so the place that the the guy that I was sharing an apartment with I came into the apartment I saw some bible verse magnets on on his fridge I saw the Jesus fish on his fridge and I was like okay this is probably not a safe person for me to be coming out to and can I just pause can I interrupt you just for a quick moment and say like friends like so if you're listening to this like this is precisely this is precisely the image that we are we've got to correct like the when i say we i'm talking about christians like this is this is precisely the image we've got to correct if a person's gut level first impression question is like oh yes i can't be safe here like daggummit like that is just that is a big big sign that we've got work to do and um we've got to start doing it a lot more explicitly we've got to start doing it a lot more publicly so that persons for whom this is their reality and their identity don't have to go oh so are you like a nice christian or and a loving one or like are you gonna hate me we've got a lot of work to do for uh, for those questions that not even pop up okay I'm exiting my soapbox. I just wanted to get on it for a quick second. Um, but back to your story. So you show up in the storm room, you see those, and you're like, oh, I'm going to have to live off of the other suitcase. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then with that, but that was the last domino. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the and so then after, um, and it was funny, on, on, the ver- on the very last day of my internship, I was like, okay, since since I'm leaving and sent and, and and so I was so I, and, and I was we, we, we I was going around with with the two other interns who were um they were they were um one of the interns was 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 um was was local and was like showing us around and they were asking me so why do you look so different on your driver's license what like what's going on and like because because I because I had been growing out my hair at that point and 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 just generally had a completely different attitude towards towards my body and towards myself but and and so and so and so, and so I was like, okay, well, you, you want to know? I, it's because I'm trans, and and for, for, fortunately, they were they were all, they were also accepting, and I was comfortable coming out to them because they had their pronouns in their in their in their email signature, so I was reasonably confident that they would not they would not they would be accepting. So so came out to them like on on the, the furnish like the night before I was, Eve, <laughs> I, was, yeah. I, was I was leaving, <laughs> and then and then and then and then when I got back. Um, came out to, came out to like my, my department at department at, at school. Came out to, um, pretty much every, everyone who I hadn't come out to yet, and just started started being me. This is the question I was going to ask earlier, and I would love to go there now. 
when you think about the current you, the real you, the new you, and the old. And this is kind of where the podcast started, right? What, and you can take this question wherever, whichever direction you want, of what's different now? Like what, and again, it's, it, it, I, know the, I know the easy answer to that is like everything, right? <laughs> but like what, what are areas of your life now that may, maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll, I'll use preacher language, you know, areas of your life, areas of your personality, areas mm-hmm. of your personality, areas of your joy and your happiness, your creativity, your skills, your gift sets, like just like everything. Like what, what are areas that were dead then that are now alive? Like what are, like paint the picture for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's really difficult to describe. It's basically up, up until that moment of acceptance, I was just sort of everything that I did, I was doing because I assumed someone want, someone expected me to. And then after that, it's like, wait, I can actually live my life because I want to. I can do things because I want to. And that and and just in in general, like so absolutely so much has has absolutely changed for the better ranging from just my I feel like I'm able to be more present with when 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 I when I'm around other people I feel like I am able to be more open just and for everything from just like being more open and like attentive to people to just being generally less grumpy about (laughs) all, all, all the time um and going from it was it was a really hard situation to be if 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 I if I can be absolutely frank and upfront it was going from a situation where if I before before this moment of acceptance if I went through a day without having a thought of suicide it was a good day and now and and now I'm able to and now that I'm able to understand like why what that struggle was coming from i am just in so much of a better place mentally and not to say that accepting gender identity instantly cures any trans person's struggles and there are plenty of things that that trans people struggle with that has absolutely nothing to do with their gender identity and that's still and that's and that's certainly still the case for me like i like i i had a, i had some anxiety before i transitioned i still have some anxiety after i transitioned but um and just like also just being able to like just like genuinely like love other people is not and, and I mean I don't want to say that like I didn't love people before then but um but now I f- but I'm able to do it more wholeheartedly now and I I for certain like I I never like like for example I have a beautiful and loving girlfriend now and hey emily if you're listening uh, <laughs> shout out uh, but and like such a wonderful relationship that i that i know i never would have been able to have i never would have felt fulfilled in if i was trying to pretend to pretend to be a man like that that was that was something that, yeah and um 
spiritually as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that through this experience, I've been so grateful to, to learn that these, these ideas of, um, these ideas of like, of disgust and self-hatred that, that some people, that, that some people were, were saying are sort of corrective tools in God's toolbox. Like that is not the case. And I, yeah, I, I do not believe that, that God is someone who would ever want anyone to feel disgusted with themselves or do anything except for love who they are. Good Lord. Amen to that. I mean, I swear that's, I think like, if people never hear me say anything on Sunday mornings, I swear, I hope they hear that, that like, that's. What's so fascinating to me is so many churches you step into, we we often use, and not just with this conversation, but we use it so often with so many different measures that, that the best corrective measure is make people feel guilty, make them feel shame, make them feel self-hatred. That will change them. That'll change them. And every single person who's listening to this knows that shame and self-hatred and guilt is a great, it's actually really, really effective short-term motivator. So it'll change your behavior for a couple minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you go to, you go to camp and they'll tell you that, you know, this type of behavior is going to, you know, lead you to this sort of life. And you're like, okay, I'll fix it. I'll change it. But it doesn't last. It doesn't last. Like you can't run off of shame and guilt forever. In fact, the, and this is what I try to say on Sundays, like the only thing that's ever changed me, the only thing that's ever changed me is, is a God who loves me unconditionally. It's a God who literally accepts me just as I am. Like, warts and all, imperfections and all, like, idiosyncrasies and all, like, just takes it and receives it. And it's, and it's, and it's not to say that it doesn't come with challenges and all of that, but it is to say that, like, the only thing, the only thing that I think can change our human hearts and make us into more loving people, make us into more compassionate people is a overwhelming heaping dose of compassion like compassion begets compassion love Mm -hmm. begets love there's i've yet to find someone who said man they just hated me so much that i just couldn't do anything but just turn into a big loving person (laughs) like i've never yet met someone who's like and this is where mlk this is what he says like he's he's, when that's what he's talking about when he says darkness doesn't drive out Dark, like more darkness heaping upon darkness doesn't like doesn't drive it out like only love will do that and I think what I love so much about your story Brooke is that um, while all of that is true it is also the other thing that is true which is that um, I think there's there's also in church this there are things that we as human beings might have a hard time like some human beings some versions of Christianity, some churches out there, they might have a hard time accepting. Um, and we project that upon God. And I think that's what happens, I think, in these, these establishments and these churches where it's, it's so exclusive is they will use Bible verses, they will use the name God, but really what they're saying is like, I can't, I don't know how to. I struggle with learning how to accept you and love you for who you are. I don't know what to do with you. And... Just be honest about that. Just own that. Like, let's, but let's not make a Jesus problem. Like, Jesus, at every turn, loves everybody. 
and includes everybody. In fact, and I love this line from Richard Rohr, and I'll get off my soapbox again. I got back on it, I promise. <laughs> I'm getting back off, I'm getting back off. But this one thing that Richard Rohr said uh, is so good. He says, if you actually watch Jesus closely, if you watch him closely, the only thing he ever excludes is exclusion itself. That's the only thing he excludes. Over and over again, the people he got into all these battles with and all the all his biggest critics were the people who were trying to be exclusive. They were trying to say, no, these people are worthy of it and these people are not worthy of it. And these people are accepting and these people are not. And Jesus is like, yeah, as long as you think that way, we're always going to have a problem. We're always going to have a problem. So I want to wrap up here. I want to wrap up here. Uh, Brooke, so two last questions. Two last questions. Firstly... If someone's listening to this, for whom this has been their experience, and maybe we'll just cover the gamut. Maybe they are very early in their process. They're very early in their journey. They're very early in their questioning. Maybe they're midway. Maybe they're, you know, on the eve of, you know, the final Jenga block coming out and all coming. (laughs) I guess, like, if you could say one thing to that person, and maybe it's like the Maybe another way to ask the question is if you could say anything to uh, Brooke 10 years ago or however many years ago, what would you say? I mean, on the one hand, like I, I, I wish that I could, prom- I could promise that it's going to be okay. And there's, there's a lot Sorry. I would just recommend to try to find community and and know that there are people out there who will support you. They that could certainly that could very well be your family, that could very well be your friends, but if not people that are in your life now, then maybe people who who might be in your life in the future. If you could, again, I, and I alluded to this earlier, I foreshadowed this earlier, um, there might also be people who are listening to this podcast who, again, let's cover the gamut. Let's cover the mm-hmm. gamut. Um, there's many people who are listening to this who are very strong allies, who have done a lot of work already. Um, the work is never over. The work is never over. Um, just as if, just like growth, you know, in any realm is never over. But there are some people who are listening to this who are farther along in their growth. They've done a lot of work um, to try to be better allies. Um, there are people who are probably, you know, somewhere in the middle. And there's some people uh, who might be listening to this who are very, very early. And maybe they know someone. Maybe they don't. Uh, but maybe they're they don't necessarily know. Um, how to engage or how to react or how to respond what advice can you give or what maybe not advice because that's that's not your experience you're, you're you're on the other end of it but what what thing would you encourage them mm-hmm. to do or to remember sure um i mean i would just say the over the overriding rule being to 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 approach to approach things with with love and compassion i mean that's and considering 
if if someone comes out to you, make sure that they are aware that 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 you that you are a safe person to share this with. Make sure that you're that they are aware that this is not something you're going to, to disclose to anyone else unless they want you to. Um, and just be aware of what that person needs from you in the moment and what you need in the moment might not be the same thing. And so what you need in that moment might have to be kind of put to the side for a little bit. Um, not that you shouldn't take time to work through things on your own, but understand that this person who's come out to you, it is not their job to help you through this process. That is, it is not their job to do the emotional labor required to help you be a better ally and to be supportive of them. That is so important. That is so important. And uh, it's something that I think, I think people do on accident sometimes. I don't think they mean to do it that way, but in that when human beings get caught off guard or surprised or they're entering into waters that they don't fully understand, uh, they ask the victim or the, the, the subject of the conversation to do all the work. And it's like for them, it's like, no, no, dude, like they're, they're doing all the work already just to stay afloat themselves. Like they're trying to swim yeah. themselves. Like they actually can't, you, they can't carry, like you're, you're both trying to get across this river that's got weird currents and different forces and different things acting upon it. And they got to swim and you got to swim and you got to figure out, hopefully you guys can go the same direction. So you arrive Mm -hmm. at the same place, but you need to do it separately. Like you can't swim like on this person's back Mm -hmm. or this person can't carry it both. It's not, and it's not fair. It's not fair to do so, to ask that. Brooke, I am so, so thankful for your willingness and uh, your Gosh, the, the way and the, your willingness and your courage to share your story and to do so with such grace and to do so with such tenderness and um, seriously, thank you. And I, I can't imagine how this conversation does not go on to impact and uh, help persons for whom this is, again, their experience directly or they're trying to love and care for or walk alongside someone for whom that is, uh, this is their experience. And so... Thank you for the incredible gift uh, you've given to us in this conversation and the gift that you will continue to give uh, persons who listen to this and the conversations it sparks and the work that it starts in them. And th- thank you, Kyle. I really, really appreciate the, the chance to help. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Views from the Peak. Please consider subscribing to this podcast or leaving a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts, as this will help other people who might benefit from these stories find them a little bit more easily. Once again, I have been your host, Pastor Kyle Meyer. If you're interested in learning more about the Peak Church, you can find us online and social media. Until then, friends, we'll see you next time.